Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Thank you, Pastor Camel, for that uh, introduction. He always gives me a good launch. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for inviting me and uh, affording me the privilege to come here and minister. Men's rallies are like no other dimension on earth. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> women, we do appreciate women, but they have their role. But it's men that will build the kingdom of God. Amen. 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 Praise God. So I appreciate you coming tonight. If you have your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I read uh, an interesting statement uh, recently that stuck with me. It says, inspiration is common, but endurance uh, is rare. Now that's true. I've pastored for many years, and uh, we've seen many, many people make a decision for God. Thank God many of them are still sticking by that dimension, but many are not. So I want to preach tonight a sermon entitled Perseverance. I read a book uh, recently that is worth your time to read. It's uh, called Make Your Bed. It's written by uh, Admiral William H. McRaven, who for many years became a Navy SEAL, and then he finally rose to command all the SEAL forces, and uh, he was in command when Osama bin Laden was taken out and killed in Pakistan. And uh, so this book is very, very interesting because in the book, uh, Admiral McRaven documents uh, when he entered the training for the SEALs And I was fascinated by the uh, tremendous stories of the training that they went through. He started out, there was 150 men when he started out. And six months later, there's only three left. Because the training deliberately aimed to try to get rid of men who could not go the course. And I was fascinated by that. So here in the book of 2 Timothy, Apostle Paul gives a testimony that sets the example for you and I to examine in ministry and in service for the kingdom of God. It sets the spirit, it sets some dimensions we want to talk about of the Christian life because the Christian life has to be lived to the end. Part of the SEAL training that he documents was they have to run 200 miles. They complete this in six days, having four hours of sleep. They have various kinds of training they go through. 
puts him to the point of exhaustion again and again and again. And the aim is only the ones that make it through are going to be the ones that are going to be sent on the missions that are highly dangerous and only men who absolutely can persevere all kinds of situations and adapt is the one. So you need to read that book, Make Your Bed. It's by Admiral uh, William H. McRaven. It's worth your time to read and it'll uh, do it. Second Timothy chapter 4, the Apostle Paul writes about his ministry and his character. Follow with me, beginning with verse 6, 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. For I'm now ready to go be offered, and the time of my departing is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also who love his appearing. Perseverance. So look for a moment because Paul talks about the good fight. Now ponder with me this statement. Life is a battle. Uh, if you haven't discovered that yet, why well, your time's coming, I can assure you. So the point is doing something that you don't want to do to be mentally strong. That's a whole business of this training of the SEAL teams. And in these Navy SEALs, I preached another sermon that documented this in Prescott. It's not the physically strong that make it through. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's the mentally strong that make it And this book, Make Your Bed, over and over again, he makes the point that this is the issue, is the perseverance. Many people uh, are inspired to do something for God. But the difficulty is that, and of course, as the battle comes, uh, endurance is very rare in the human personality. This is true Uh, And the tendency over and over again in training these seals is the tendency to quit. The bad part about it is that the teachers, uh, they're encouraging everyone to quit that's there. They have various kinds of designs, various kinds of tests, uh, and uh, they discipline men that don't need to be disciplined just because they want to see what they're going to do when they're disciplined, when they don't deserve discipline. They're teaching them a lesson uh, and so the tendency to quit is very strong. This is true in marriage. This is true in career. This is certainly true in ministry. So let's look at this statement for a moment. The Apostle Paul says, I have fought the good fight. And he's teaching us to press through to the end because life must be lived to the end. I had a uh, memory. I had to look up uh, uh, a little statement. We had a boxer that preached for us some years ago. His name was Ernie Shavers. This is the first time I heard this statement. He gave a quote from James Corbett, famous boxer, and it's titled, Fight One More Round. Fight one more round. When your feet are so tired that you have to shift back, uh, shuffle back to the center of the ring, fight one more round. When your arms are so tired that you can hardly lift your hands uh, to come on guard, fight one more round. When your nose is bleeding and your eyes are black and you're so tired you wish your opponent would crack you one on the jaw and put you to sleep, fight one more round. 
Remembering that the man who always fights one more round is never whipped. I liked that. I looked it up and put it together for this sermon. So think about now the pain, the exhaustion, the fear of defeat, just fear itself. All of these beginning to play in the circumstances of life. And these Navy SEALs are undergoing this in their training to make sure they weed out anyone who cannot endure and perform to the end. Because discouragement is a failure of the will. I don't know if you've discovered that yet, but it's worth your writing down. Discouragement, the spirit of discouragement, is a failure of the human will. Don't want to go again. And Greg Mitchell preached recently, so did I, on David and his uh, conflict with Saul at Ziklag. David has been out fighting the battles of the Lord. He comes back to Ziklag, his home. He finds out the Egyptians have come. They've taken his family, taken his children, taken everything that's worth carrying away uh, and leaving there. And his own men rise up against him uh, and talked of stoning him. Now, this is, this is fantastic. If you want to go into ministry, why, this is talking about ministry. Here's a leader. He's doing the work of God, and they go in, out, and when they come back, uh, now their home has been ransacked. Uh, their wives have been carried off. Their children are gone. Everything that's worth owning is gone. Uh, and his men are so discouraged uh, that they rise up, and they talk about stoning David, uh, And here's a tremendous lesson about discipleship. Discipleship tonight is aimed at putting workers into positions to test their mindset to persevere. Now, there are men sitting here tonight, and you say, I I can't wait for the day when I'll be put on staff and become a concert director and the top of the heap in discipleship. But don't be be disappointed if that's the worst time you ever have in your life. (laughs) Because it's not just putting men in a position, it's putting them under the gun so that they are actually in ministry situations uh, and weeding out those uh, that are not go the course uh, and will not persevere. And one of the things that are discovered are people skills. I never worry about the men we send out uh, learning to preach. They'll learn to preach. But the issue that will make or break them are you developing people skills, uh, which means uh, that you're able to solve people's problems so that they survive. I have uh, several times done a a little class on one afternoon in a Prescott conference. I call it uh, butchers and surgeons and point out that both butchers and surgeons cut meat, but one leaves the patient alive. The other puts it on display in a case. And uh, I've had numbers of pastors that come through, nothing more than butchers. We're hoping to discover that before we put 20 wheelbarrows of money on them and send them someplace. And that's what discipleship is all about. I was recently with Greg, and, uh, and uh, probably a year and a half or so ago, and uh, the concert director told him, said, I'm meeting with the the people in, in our concert, and uh, they're not doing what I want them to do. I'm going to straighten a whole bunch out. So David said, I, wanna, I mean, Greg said, I want to talk to you before. I've been waiting for you to come to this place because invariably they do. They're going to straighten people out, 
and they're going to destroy their whole future by doing that. The trick of, uh, of ministry is getting people to do what you want them to do and making them think it's their idea. <laughs> you don't do that by threatening. That's people's skills. Uh, and unless you are able to do that, that's called the art of persuasion. And it's crucial that you do that. So the Apostle Paul writes here and he says, I have fought the good fight. So Christianity is a uh, conflict with the powers of darkness and the devil and with people. And unless you develop people skills, you will never make it in ministry. Secondly, the Apostle Paul says, uh, I've kept the faith. Keeping the faith is a task that is necessary because we function in a spiritual arena. Can you say amen? amen? I know that the only thing you're conscious of is your wife and the guy sitting next to you. But there is a spiritual arena that we function in. And we function uh, constantly in that. And Jesus said the spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. So this brings us to an understanding. It was Disraeli, a famous uh, English philosopher, he made a statement. He says, through personal uh, emergencies, uh, people who reign success uh, out of failures uh, are the ones that make it in life. So think about that for a moment. Babe Ruth, the famous baseball player in America, says it's hard to beat a, a person who never gives up. Now, perseverance means that you're never going to give up. That means that you're going to uh, be on a course for God and Paul says, keeping the faith is essential. That literally means taking God at his word. That's what faith is. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 33. He writes, partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. So the tendency, of course, in life is to uh, uh, use your own understanding. In other words, you begin to function with your brilliance and with your personality. Yeah? And you have to come to a place uh, where you're functioning in life when it's not working. How many of you know Christianity is true? The difficulty is when you're doing everything that you know to do, you're doing everything that God's told you to do, and it's not working. That's when the test comes uh, and Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So ministry is an example. Uh, I read somewhere recently that every month, now you and I are sitting here tonight, thank God that we have many wonderful pastors, uh, but every month... Uh, there are 1,100 pastors in America that quit the ministry. I don't know if you know that. So think about that for a moment because ministry is an example of this. Men do this for various reasons. One of these is false doctrine. We're constantly involved to combat false doctrine. I told somebody recently, I said, we live in a generation when our people are listening not just to you, They've got, uh, uh, they've got uh, networks, they've got programs, uh, they've got access to all kinds of different doctrines. Uh, and from time to time, I'll be preaching somewhere, 
I was preaching recently overseas, uh, and uh, the congregation of that uh, church is largely uh, black, and uh, the black Jew uh, doctrine came in, cleaned out some of his good people, and he lost them. And all of us as pastors, we have this difficulty from time to time. There's false doctrine. It makes its way in. Sometimes it comes in by programs. Sometimes it comes in by someone who goes sour in the congregation. But constantly, uh, we have false doctrine that we combat. We have Calvinism. Most of your uh, mega churches are Calvinistic. I don't know if you know that. Uh, the reason they have these huge congregations is they don't do what you and I do. They don't judge sin. If you judge sin in your congregation, uh, I think it's Rich Cox who tells me uh, that uh, ever so often, uh, you know, he's got lots of Hispanic people in his congregation. Hispanic people are wonderful people. You get one saved, they're not happy to the whole family saved. Can you say amen? That's a wonderful dimension. But the problem with that is... Uh, when you have to do, do, uh, discipline morals, uh, you throw them out. Uh, Why well, then half the fa- half the congregation goes out with them because they're related. So that's the downside uh, of the Hispanic ministry. And Rich Cox is always telling me this: most of the mega churches uh, are Calvinistic, uh, and uh, the uh, uh, mental dimension uh, is something we conflict uh, all all the time. I was reading a story about a man recently. And uh, he uh, attended a Calvary Chapel. I know uh, many of you have Calvary Chapels in your, uh, in your vicinity. And as he attended Calvary Chapel, he came in. He had a suit and a tie. He was dressed nice, clean hair, uh, sprayed and everything, looking good. And he's met at the door by a man who had a Hawaiian shirt on, shorts and flip-flops, and says, you're overdressed to go to this church. Now think about that. But that's not all the story. That story is that uh, you can attend that church, they brag on, come just as you are. But the sequel to that is, you leave just like you came. Can you say amen? amen? The purpose of church service is not just to gather people together in a religious service. The purpose of church service is to get people converted and changed. Can you say amen? That's the, the end of the story. So the Apostle Paul says, keeping the faith. Keeping the faith isn't just a cliche. It means something. And we are a fellowship of preachers. Our preachers are commissioned to preach the word of God. Unless you preach the word of God, then you don't deserve the the title of pastor. Thirdly, the Apostle Paul says, I finished the race. Now think about that for a moment because this is one of the major problems of modern Christianity uh, is that uh, many people serve God in their own will. That's not Christianity. Christianity is a surrender to the will of God. When the Apostle Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, when we take the, the trip to Israel, we go by uh, the, the, the uh, uh, Banyas, the spring of Banyas, uh, and as we go by that, that's very close to the Damascus Road that Apostle Paul was traveling on. And as he was traveling on, he had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And as he had that encounter, he fell on the ground off of his beast of burden and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you, Lord, that I'm persecuting? He said, I'm Jesus, 
whom you're persecuting, instantly out of Paul's mouth came these words, mark this down, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now that's what Christianity is tonight. As you come into this, uh, this uh, uh, rally tonight, we're here tonight to make you feel uncomfortable if you're not living for God. Uh, we ate lunch with one of the pastors today and he said, uh, what, what are you going to do tonight in the service? I said, I'm going to de-nut every man that's in there, send them out. That's my job. I was just kidding him. But some of this is going to fit some of you. So this is what Christianity is. Christianity isn't just people coming together, waving their banners, wiggling their ring, asking, uh, acting religious. Christianity is saying to God, God, what do you want me to do? So let's think about that now for a moment. Uh, because the Apostle Paul says, I finished my course or I'm finishing the races. Now think about that for a moment because there's the imagery here of the Olympic Games. They called them the uh, Isthmian Games in those days, but this is where the Olympic Games began. Men performing races, uh, but as they're performing these races, they have to run within lines that have been set out in there. They have to stay within those lines. Uh, and this gives us an image of this is a place uh, they must run in the race. Now, you and I must run in the course that God sets before us. Can you say amen? amen? There'll come many obstacles in that course. There'll come difficulties. There'll come testings of our spirit, our soul, and our body. And whether we make it to the end is going to depend on whether we stay within those lines, which is the will of God for us to run in. And this is crucial that we do that and stay within the will of God. So let's think about this for a moment uh, because uh, we must stay uh, within our lanes. There's no shortcuts. Uh, we, have, uh, we have various kinds of games where people have figured out how to cut the corners, cut across, uh, but they get discovered and lose the, lose the race themselves. There is no shortcuts. To this, because if you try to uh, shortcut, you're going to be disqualified. And so look at this for a moment, because the scripture uh, gives us a potent lesson and that we must run in the will of God. There are no shortcuts. Uh, and scripture gives us a potent lesson. Uh, here's a story about Joshua. It's found in Joshua 13, and it's an application for every one of you. Joshua's getting old. How many of you are getting older tonight? I just turned 89 October the 9th. Amen. Went on on the trip to Israel with Rich Cox. I walked the uh, Megiddo Tunnel. Jillian steps down. Jillian steps back up. Made it all the way on my own. Uh, I went to the the, uh, uh, full course. Walked up to the uh, waterfall in Engedi and uh, made the whole trip, walked all the way, and they told us how many miles we walked. Somebody had these little instruments to tell you how many miles, and so I made it all the way. So think about this for a moment, because I'm looking at some of you. You're no longer young. I know that doesn't make you feel good, but I can tell by looking at you. Your chest has fallen into your drawers. 
You think bald is beautiful now. And you're getting older now. So here's Joshua. He's coming to the end of life. He's running out of time. And God has an encounter with him in Joshua 13, verses 1 and 2. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years. And the Lord said unto him, You're old and stricken in years, and there remains yet very much land to be possessed. Now ponder this now. Verse 2, This is the land that yet remains, all the borders of the Philistines and all Geshuri. And he documents all the places that uh, that uh, Joshua had not taken and he details it in that 13th challenge uh, chapter and says you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to take this to complete this list and this is what you haven't possessed yet I've given it to you I've given you a promise that I'll equip you I'll entail you with power I'll go before you I'll accomplish this but you haven't done this yet so take this to heart now tonight because God's challenging you tonight in with that bald head, in with that pot gut. You still have land that needs to be possessed. Can you say amen? Somebody in my church said to me on uh, Thanksgiving, said, Pastor, uh, on Sunday after Thanksgiving, are you going to preach on gluttony? I said, no, I'm a merciful man. <laughs> so I didn't. But God challenges us now. Some of you, I, I should be preaching that tonight, but that's not what I'm preaching now. We all have areas and unconquered territories within our possession, and we need to take that. I was ministering in Holland last year, and I was putting sermons together with the people, with the pastors, and they said to me, Pastor, uh, we have lots of people in our church, and these are people that are good people doing nothing. Can you give us the key now to get them motivated? I said, well, not any more than what I do normally. I just preach the gospel and show them an example. But uh, I went home and preached in Prescott that this congregation is filled with good people doing nothing. Challenge them to do something. So maybe you could do that, Pastor, as you're here tonight. So let's uh, ponder this for a moment because our congregation filled with good people doing nothing. And I have no doubt that I'm ministering to some of you tonight in this auditorium. Good people doing nothing. That's not what God called us to do. Can you say amen? So as we bring this down now to a meaningful uh, conclusion then we need to leave this building tonight with a conviction that we need to be doing something for God and those unconquered territories, whether it's fat or whether it's habits or whatever it may be, you need to leave this building tonight with a determination, I'm going to conquer that testimony because God's speaking to you as he is to all of us. I was talking to Carlos Olivas, who just came back from China. He was in... He's in uh, uh, Indio, California. And while he was there, he's telling me that he, he called Greg. And uh, he said to Greg, he's complaining about something in the congregation that's not happening. And uh, so Greg answered him this way, said, 
okay, so what are you going to do about that? Now, that's interesting because instead of Greg said, well, this is what you, one, two, three, four, A, B, C, what are you going to do about that? That brought Carlos under conviction, as I understand it, and he made a determination. He said, I, I'm going to spend all afternoon, and I'm not going to go home until I've made contact with one person for the gospel. He did that. He made contact with one man, and this man brought in 12 other people into his congregation of him being challenged that what is he going to do about that conflict he has in that he's going to go out and win somebody to Jesus. And he witnessed to this man. This man brought 12 other people into his congregation as a direct result of that. So think about this for a moment. And as you think about this, let's ponder this business because the apostle said, I've finished my course. I have fought the fight and I've finished the race. How many of you know that life must be lived to the end? Some of you haven't discovered that yet. You already are ended. Life must be lived to the end. Now, I'm not here tonight because I have to be here. I'm here tonight because I love to minister to men. Amen. I love to challenge men. I think about the Boston Marathon. People will pay $100 for a Boston Marathon t-shirt. They have no intention of running the race. (laughs) They just want to wear the t-shirt that I ran in the Boston Marathon. And so think about that. I was in Golden Corral. It's my favorite place in Prescott. I call it the glutton's paradise. Nobody goes to the Golden Corral to eat. They go there to get their money's worth. While I was there, there was a man that said, Pastor Mitchell, so good to see you. He said, do you remember me? Well, the last time I saw this guy, he was a senior in high school. And uh, he was 18 years old. So I look at this guy. This was last year. He's got a meth mouth. His teeth have been rotted out by methadone. Uh, 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 He's a meth freak. He has some really hard miles on him. He's totally gray. He's probably, I figured up tonight in the room, he's probably 61 years old now. And he started to talk to me because uh, he was a convert in our congregation. At one time, it was probably 1975 in Prescott, 32 seniors that graduated from Prescott High School had been saved in the Potter's House there in Prescott, Arizona. 32. Are they still there? No, they didn't go the course. Inspiration is common, but endurance is rare. So here I'm looking at this fellow, and I said to him, great to see you again. And he said, uh, you know, I remember the days when I was going to the potter's house. And those were great days. I said, they still are great days. We're still doing the same thing we were doing then, only more. And you need to come back and, 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 and be in the church again. I saw him again a couple of weeks later. He still hasn't come. But I was thinking about that now. I don't know how many of those, uh, probably three of those that graduated from Prescott High School in 1975, are in the church serving God somewhere now. Some of them were pastoring. 
But think about that for a moment now. Here are 32 people, seniors, 18, maybe 19 years old or 17, and God has powerfully touched them. Their whole life is the yet to be lived. And I'm looking at this man. He's probably 61 years old. He's totally gray. The hair he has is totally gray. Miles are on his face. You can see the hard miles. No teeth. They're all rotted out in his mouth. He's a meth freak. That's what he is. And he's there. He remembers those days. They've touched his heart, but he's not living them. So think about this for a moment because we're talking now about keeping the faith. We're talking about perseverance. When Admiral McRaven writes this book, Make Your Bed, he's trying to stir those that listen to him in a lifestyle. He's trying to stir them, and he says one important thing is make your bed when you get up. If you accomplish that task and that habit, there's a chance that you make that on out the rest of life. You'll do what has to be done. So ponder this for a moment now with me. Here's this man. He looks older than me now. Can you imagine that? God has powerfully touched his life. It's made an impact on him. He sees me and the memories of that come back to him 49 years later. But he's not persevering. And the marks of that are on his body and no doubt upon his soul because it's unavoidable. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Uh, No one's moving around for a moment. uh, And we pause in the presence of God. Perseverance. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.